Let me see you put them up Reach the sky, touch the stars up above Cause it's one time for the underdog One time for the underdog. I'm Patrick Bedevi, your host of IT, and today we're going to talk about how you, as a leader, can earn loyalty from your teammates. I'm actually very excited about the subject. So, why loyalty, right? Anytime somebody asks you, you know, why am I losing so many people, there's always things like as if the problem is on the people not being loyal, right? Uh, it, it, there's no more loyal people nowadays. There's there's no more. There's so many these millennials. You know they're so distracted. And then and this younger generation, they they they're not like us because we were loyal and we stuck around and we did one thing and we did this. And it's always this generation. And by the way, when you start saying statements like that, you know what's what's happening to you? Uh, Time magazine did an article you know, talking about the millennials. It's the me 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 generation. It's a great uh, cover. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it before. And in the end, he's explaining, the millennial generation, they're like this. They're all about Instagram. They're all about this. They're all about... And at the end, it says, if you keep saying, the new generation is lazy, they've changed, or this, they're that, all it means is you are getting older. Get off my lawn, Sonny. <laughs> it's very interesting. When I read that, I said, what a great article. But let me get right into it. So how do you create an environment where people want to be loyal and stay with you forever? I got 17 points. Point number one. First thing, very important. Number one, it's very, very important. Don't be afraid of losing people. You cannot be afraid of losing people. You see, when you build your business, a lot of time you're solo, you're by yourself, and you feel like you want a running mate. You want to have somebody that's going to help you grow the business as well. You know, it's almost like that one video that was done on TEDx. It was a five-minute video, and it shows the guy that's dancing. You know, he's doing his own thing, and he was by himself. And next, you know, another guy shows up, and another guy shows up. And he says, and the TEDx speaker says, you always want that first idiot that believes in you, right? That's the reference he made. But it's not really an idiot. It's somebody that says, I believe in you. You see, uh, the book that I'll highlight with that point, Don't Be Afraid of Losing People, is Lincoln on Leadership. Clinton called this his Bible. Time Magazine says, Clinton's private Bible about how to govern. And in the book, one of the chapters he talks about, keep searching until you find your grant. And a lot of times people want to make their grant. He says, until you find your grant, you got to find your grant. But in order to find your grant, you can't be afraid of losing people. He, he put McClellan as a general of the army and then he got rid of him. He found another person, another person, and he kept going through their organization and he found this crazy general who's, you know, came up and his grant and, you know, he wouldn't talk to him all the time. He wouldn't communicate with them all the time. But every time he talked to him, he won the war. He won the battle every single time. So if he had the mindset of trying to retain every single soldier and, you know, not hurt their feelings and I can't have McClellan be upset with me and because I got to keep everybody happy, he would have never won the war. He would have never done what he did. And there would be not so many books being written about him as the greatest president we ever had in the history of America, 16th president. But uh, you can't be afraid of losing people if you want to have a, a, a loyal environment. Point number two, you got to be true to your cause. He had a cause. You got to have a cause. Someone asked me, Patrick. I was at a convention last week. We we're doing an award ceremony. I'm giving a closing talk on uh, Friday. Uh, you can actually click on the link below to watch the talk I gave in front of 1,500 agents of ours. And I talked about what got me fired up about starting a business and why the company's crusade, the cause, is in my belly. And the crusade, the guy said, Patrick, you got up and he said, saving America by bringing back the free enterprise system and hope to American families. Man, 
what do you think I could come out with to get people excited? And the question, I was flabbergasted by the question, as if a person comes out with a cause to keep people, as if it's a manipulative way to keep people motivated. If you really don't have a cause that's meaningful to you, people will read it. If your cause is to get people to fall into this idea as if something's going to happen, people will know about it six months, 12 months, 24 months later. If you don't talk about it 24-7, it's really not you. So how does somebody find their cause? Well, I wrote a book called 25 Laws for Doing the Impossible uh, that's been translated in five different languages, Polish, Russian, uh, Romanian, Simplified Chinese, and English. And in there, I talk about how to identify your own cause. you got to find your cause that fires you up. Uh, a book called The Leaderless Revolution. It should be somewhere here. It was written by a British diplomat, Leaderless Revolution. It's written by a British diplomat. He said, the way you find your own revolution, the way you find your cause, you got to find out three things. What do you love, what do you hate, and what bothers you? When you write down what you hate, what you love, and what bothers you, you eventually come out, come up with an answer where you say, this is what fires me up. This is what gets me going to a whole different level. But you got to find out those three elements of what you love, what you hate, and what bothers you. And the book 25 Laws for Doing the Impossible will help you out as well. The link is on the bottom as well. Uh, for you to find. Third point, leaders don't like to have their butts kissed. Let me explain to you a point here. Do you remember back in high school? I want you to think about the prettiest girl in high school. Who was the prettiest girl in your high school? I want you to think about her name. Now, here's what I want you to think about. Generally, the prettiest girl in high school um, either dates a very, very nice guy who she dumps, or she dates a, a bad boy who he dumps her. Okay, <laughs> and they both have their own consequences. Let me explain to you what I mean by that. When a pretty girl dates a good guy, the guy says things like, oh my, I love you so much, you're so pretty. Takes him to his mom, mom, this is my wife, I love her. She's so, look at her hair, she's so, I love her toes, you know, the way she walks, mom, she's my wife, she's great. And you know, your mom's like, oh, this girl's about to break up with you before don't, you don't get your act. And by the way, all our guys, fellas, you know what's happened to us? That we all got our heart broken at one point. And then she says, I can't take this anymore. And she wants to go somewhere where a guy's saying, look, you either want to date me or you don't because I have choices. And she wants to date the bad boy, right? So what is the right person? Is it being the person that's always there, always everything? Or is it the guy that's like, if you don't want, I can go to another girl type of mentality. Here's what I realized. Leaders don't want either. They want you to be real with them right in the middle. Tell them what's on your mind, but tell them in the right way that you respect them and speak with them. But don't always go out there and try to be so awesome, perfect, everything with them. It's not going to happen. Don't kiss their butt. Lead them is what you need to do. That's how you create loyalty. Point number four. You don't earn loyalty by doing everything for them. Let me explain what I mean by doing everything for them. A lot of times, I'll go to a sales organization. I'll notice that the leader doesn't have any leaders. He may have 50 people in the room. Uh, that his sales force is there, but there's no leaders in the room. Everybody is lower level people. And I said, why is that? And generally it's because um, he's doing everything for everybody. So he's so concerned of keeping everybody that when he gets a, a, a Jordan or Kobe or, or jobs of his organization that comes to him, they say, I can't work with a guy like this. He's not spending enough time with me. He wants to please everybody. I want his time. Give me 90% of your time because I want to work with you. And he wants to spread his time equally with everybody. See, because an overachiever, if you want his loyalty, he wants you to know. He wants to know that you've done stuff with your life before you're successful. And he wants you to give him direction. He wants you to give him coaching. He wants you to challenge him. And then he wants to go do it himself without your help because it's important for him to know 
that he can do it on his own with your coaching, helping him process issues, but he went and did it himself. If he doesn't, he wasn't a leader in the first place. You were wasting your time this entire time building him, okay? So point number four, you don't own loyalty by doing everything for them. Number five, they need to see you in the game. They need to see you in the game running. What does that mean? Well, if you're working from home and you want to hold everybody accountable from home or from the golf course six days a week, and you say, well, I'm, I can't believe they're not loyal to me. And you're constantly criticizing because you don't see what they're doing on a daily basis working. You're not lifting them up. You're not recognizing them. And you're not coming to work yourself five, six days a week. You're not going to have a lot of loyalty. And there's this contradiction in business where you know, someone told me, and said, well, Patrick, you know, I worked so hard and I'm making a few million dollars a year and I earned it. And and, and I can show you how to do the same, but I want to golf six days a week and I don't need to come to the office. And I said, you're right, but your people also don't have to be loyal to you forever because it's called free market capitalism. And if you don't do it right, you're going to lose your person to somebody else. And you know, if you look at companies, Northern California, when Yahoo came out, they thought they made it. Yahoo lost their talent to Google. Google doesn't lose a lot of engineers. They don't lose a lot of engineers because Google's vision and cause is so big, they're not afraid of losing talent that they keep getting good people there because they have, they're big thinkers, right? But can you imagine the founders of Google started golfing six days a week and they didn't show up to work and they just say, hey guys, keep searching, keep, you know, pay-per-click, keep doing this. You guys are doing a great job and they golf six days a week. There's no way in the world you do that. I was in Zappos last week, headquarters. I got a tour of Zappos and I, I we took our staff to get a private tour of Zappos. Had a very, very good time. Shout out to those guys. They do a very good job with it. And uh, our tour guy was the, uh, the, 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 what was her name? The equestrian uh, 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 our tour guy's name was something about a question. Anyways, we had a great time with her, right? And as we're walking, regular, we're doing a tour, we walk past Tony Shea. Then we go to a place, the CEO of the company, you know, one, uh, one of the owners of the company is sitting right there, working right next to us. Hey, how you doing? I spoke to him, up, 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 good, go. Middle of the day, they're working. Uh, that creates an environment where people want to be loyal to the brand of Zappos. Uh, because they see you in the game. Uh, to, to, to want loyalty from people and you not being in the game, it's, it's, uh, it's very foolish to believe that it's just not possible. It's not going to happen. Uh, number six, loyalty gets stronger during times of friction. I see a lot of times, you know, uh, I, I get a call and, oh my, I just got into a very bad fight and argument. It was terrible. He was screaming. I was screaming. I can't believe he said this to me. And I think he's going to leave and I don't think he's going to be here with us for too long. And this totally was a bad thing. And I say, listen, that was a great thing that happened. What do you mean? He's going to quit tomorrow. No, he's not. He's going to leave. No, he's not. He's my best. He's not. Why? Leaders know there's friction. The process of making a sausage is very ugly, but the final product tastes good. Friction is a part of it. Knowing how to handle friction is the real challenge. The book I recommend for that is called Great Business Teams by Howard Gutman. I hired Howard Gutman. He's from New York. Real, real good personality guy to come and uh, 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 deal with a few of our guys. And we had a whole morning afternoon session and Q&A. And we went through confrontation. How does conflicts work? How do you get better at conflicts, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, eventually you realize that it's not necessarily that a team doesn't need to have an environment that's friction-free. It's you need to work on how to handle conflicts rather than creating a conflict-free environment. A conflict-free environment generally is not growing, is not exploding. And there needs to be conflict in that environment. Point number seven. Point number seven is, is talking behind your leader's back. 
See, I love talking behind my leader's back. I love saying things behind the leader's back. I love it. And they love it too, by the way. They love it. They can't get enough of it. And I think sometimes leaders don't do enough of a job of talking behind people's back. You got to do more of it. It's a constant thing of talking behind leaders' back. Now, what am I talking about? I'm not talking about talking negatively about people's back, behind people's back. I'm talking about you creating positive rumors about them. I'm talking about you saying great things behind their back without them being there. Everybody loves it when you say good things when everybody's there. But believe it or not, people love it more when you talk behind people's back when nobody else is there. It's got to be a natural thing you do. They love hearing rumors say, the other day I was sitting out with Bobby. You won't believe what he was saying about you. You say you're the hardest working guy in the office and he can count on you because you always go out there and deliver. You're a great leader. You're, you're a tough guy. You, you work hard. Oh, he said that. He said that. I think sometimes leaders don't do, no enough, don't do enough of a job of talking behind leaders' back. And there needs to be more of that taking place with the people that you're leading uh, to constantly talk behind their back. Point number eight. Point number eight is creating an environment where everyone calls each other out. If you have an environment where everybody is too politically correct and everyone's trying to make everybody happy, it's not going to be a good environment to be around. It's got to be an environment where everybody is calling each other. I went to an office. Someone showed up late. It was as if it wasn't a big deal in a meeting. And a leader speaking, you're okay with that. Yes. No one said anything. Yes, you took, you took concern about pleasing somebody. And point number one was what? Don't be afraid of losing people. If you are, you're not going to be retaining too many people. You need to have a place where it's an environment where everybody calls each other out. If there's a code and people call each other out, that environment holds everybody accountable. Anyways, that's the first eight points. Point number nine. Treat everyone fairly, but not equally. Let me explain to you what I mean by this. I visit so many offices. And I see so many businesses that are ran in a way and they don't even know it. They're running it in the old Russian uh, regime that was purely communism. And I'll explain to you what I mean by that. They treat everybody equally and fairly. There isn't anybody that's not being treated better and they're spending more time to because they're performing a different level. If you, if you create that kind of an environment, here's what will happen. You'll keep the lower performers with you, but you will not keep and retain and have loyal, high, high performers in your organization. Can you imagine if you're Phil Jackson? I want you to think about this. I'm Phil Jackson, you're Kobe Bryant, you're Michael Jordan. You're coming to the team. And at any point, we can only have five players on the floor. And five players, we have a total of 48 minutes of play time. We're talking about roughly uh, 240 minutes of play time, right? And I got 12 players. Typically, a great player will get 35 to 45, 40 minutes of play time. Can you imagine if I tell all the players at 12 minutes, guys, listen, here's what we're going to be doing. I think we need to be more equal. We got 12 players here. Everybody's going to get 20 minutes of play time for a total of 240 minutes. Everybody is. What do you think Michael Jordan would do? He would leave your team and go to somebody else. And Phil Jackson would never do that. If you didn't perform, you didn't get play time, he would bench you. And he may bench you for nine days, nine games, ten games. So goes with Pat Riley and Bill Belichick and the great coaches because they don't treat everybody equally. They treat people fairly, but they want performers. And if you want to create an environment where your higher achievers are loyal to you, you need to understand how, what kind of a, a, a regime, what kind of a organization, what kind of a culture you are creating around. Are you more towards... Communism or are you more towards capitalism? The greater my capitalism and free enterprises. And everybody's a capitalist, but when somebody says I'm not capitalist, our natural tendencies is a tendency of a capitalism. Our natural tendencies will tell us what we're really all about. We like recognition. We like to do things individually that we get recognized as well, on top of collectively as well. Sports is purely capitalism. 
And uh, so you got to learn how to treat everybody, uh, you know, fairly but not equally. Point number 10, you cannot challenge everybody the same way. I see so many leaders, the way they challenge this guy is the same exact way they challenge this gal, is the same exact way they challenge this. Everybody's different. One of the books I'll actually recommend to you on that is Five Love Languages. I recommend every CEO, business leader, sales leader, anybody that's doing any vice president, marketing director to read this book, Five Love Languages. Here's why. The book is about relationships. So what did it have to do with sales? Everything. Uh, it says there's five ways people like to have love shown to them. One is words of affirmation. You're so amazing. You're so great. Two is quality time. Some of your leaders want you to put some one-on-one -on -one time into them. Three is receiving gifts. Hey, I got a book for you. I got a gift for you. Four is acts of service. And five is physical touch. Everybody is different. By the way, players and performers don't all come in the same shape, size, personality, color. Everyone's different. But what you're looking for is this. You're looking for fire in the belly. You're looking for heart. You're looking for somebody who wants to get after it. It has nothing to do with how many degrees they have how much education they have, what background, it has nothing to do with that. You're looking for this here. If you can find this, the rest should work out for you. So five love languages, learn how to not challenge everybody the same exact way. And by the way, when you learn how to challenge them, they'll definitely appreciate that as well when you learn how to challenge different people. Point number 11, it's on you to protect their egos. I hear a lot of times people say, this guy is so egotistical. I like to work with guys that don't have an ego. I'm sorry. Anybody who becomes a president, they have an ego. You know what they think they are? They think they're a badass. No one becomes a president not thinking they're a badass. They got massive egos to become a president. Any Jordan, any Kobe, any Steve Jobs, any high achiever, they got massive egos. The challenge you're having is not the fact that they have a big ego. Your challenge is you don't know how to lead people with big egos and explain the different kinds of egos. The lower level ego to me is someone that comes to you and they want respect. They, 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 they know they've done things and you got to give them respect, but they want you to help them out and they want to learn. They're coachable. They're teachable. They're learnable. They're going to ask a lot of questions of why. Why do we do this? Why do we do that? They're not blindly going to do something. You need to explain to them why. But generally, if you use common sense, you explain it to them, they'll take it from you. But they have egos. The ones that you don't need to waste your time with is those who come and tell you about a degree they have and how fancy of a degree it is and all the lower level people, I'm above everybody because I have a degree and you guys don't and they want to go and start right here without ever done the lower level part, without learning sales, without doing any of that stuff. You don't need to worry about earning their loyalty. Let them go to another company. You keep the people that have an ego that want to perform. But this is what I'll tell you. Best book I'll recommend on that is this, First Rate Madness. See, I love this book and I'll tell you why I love this book. This talks about the madness of crazy performers such as Kennedy, Lincoln. This is by far one of the best books I've read on how crazy people are out there. You want crazy people with big egos in your company, in your organization that you want to lead. So the challenge isn't finding ego people. The challenge is you're learning how to deal with other people's ego and not getting your own ego offended because you got to drop your ego if you want to lead other people with big egos. If you got a big ego and you lead with this, you're going to have a hard time with this. By the way, they also want to make sure that you have an ego as well, but you know how to set it aside and talk to them uh, and challenge them and give them suggestions and requests on things to do. Point number 12, ask for their opinions regularly. In my organization, when I lead my executive team or if I lead the leadership team that I have, I always like to ask, what did you think about that? How would you have done it differently? What do you think about this? But I also say, I want you to know, even though I'm asking for your opinion, there's an 80% chance we're not going to implement what you're suggesting, but there's a 20% chance we will consider and do something about it. 
And they like the fact that you're being fair and open with them. So at the same time, out of the 20% of the ideas that we implement, guess where 90% of the ideas came from? It comes from your leaders. It doesn't come from you. It comes from them. So you got to constantly ask for their opinion. Because believe me, so many times people are like in this, in this nest and they think they know everything and they are not connected with the people. You're spending too much time golfing and you're no, no longer talking to your field leaders what they're doing. There's no hands-on. Another thing Lincoln talks about in this book is he talks about go out there and circulate among your troops. Find out what they're doing. Go find out what they're doing. But the key is this. The key is to know that you constantly ask for their opinions. Point number 13, persuade instead of uh, manipulate. So what does this mean? Look, you ever heard someone say, you know, that guy is too calculated, way too calculated. Oh, my, everything is calculating to that guy. Well, why don't you give me that calculating guy? Because I like leading calculating people. Do you know why? Because when it's times of crisis and you're in war and the enemy is shooting you from every single angle, what kind of a leader do you want? You want a naive leader or you want a calculating leader? You see, you give me a calculating leader that's going to say, Hey, seven of you guys, I want you to go behind that mountain right there. Eight of you guys, go to that building, hide right there, and the sniper, go to the top. Hey, you, I want you to go over there. The enemy's attacking us. You guys, I want you to stay here and make them feel like this is where we are. We're going to attack them from. There needs to be calculating part. I like calculating leaders. I don't mind having calculating leaders. But here's the part that people have a problem with. They want to make sure you are calculating, but this is what they don't want. They don't want somebody that's manipulating everybody because the better you get at communication, you get better at manipulating people. You cannot the tipping point of persuasion is right here. You tip, you're manipulating. It's only about you and defending you. You can't be there. You got to be right here. It's about them. You're persuading. They don't mind you persuading them. They don't mind you being calculating. They have a very big problem when you manipulate people. So how do you do that? How do you get improving that? John Maxwell wrote a book a few years ago. I bought this at an airport, wrote it in one, read it in one sitting. Everyone communicates, few connect. What the most effective people do differently. You got to learn how to communicate and connect with your people. This is a great book for Point number 14, don't take credit for their ideas. My goodness, I explained this to one of my friends today from Chicago, and I said, there is nothing more annoying. I used to work with this uh, person in the past, and uh, this person would come and sit us down and I would ask ideas. And we would spend one day, two days, and it was ideas, 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 ideas. And then they would go to the board and they say, this is the idea I came up with. And then he would go on stage and says, I came up with this idea. I came up with this idea. All the guys would come up to me and say, wait a minute. She said, I came up with that idea. Why didn't he and she give me the recognition? I came up with that idea. Boom. They lost loyalty. And typically, you know who you lose loyalty with? Your performers. They don't like that. If somebody gave you the idea, give them credit for giving the idea. Now, let me explain something to you. There's a lot of people out there that read this book, 40 Laws of Power. I'm interviewing him next week. Stay tuned because you'll see the video with him as well. There's a lot of people that talk about the book, 40 Laws of Power. And the challenge with this book, 40 Laws of Power, is to teach you what manipulators will do to you. But it's not about reading this book to be this book. See, I read this book to know what some people that try to overpower you by manipulating you with the tools that this book offers. This book was never written for you to do actually everything it tells this book to do to other people. The book says, you know, go let other people do the work you take the credit. I'm sorry. If you want to build a team of one person, you go do that. If you want to build a team of loyal people that want to run with you for the rest of your life, that will run through a wall for, wall for you, you got to let them read this so they also know that other people can do this. A lot of people read this book and they don't want to share it with other people. Go read this book and see what happens when other people try to overpower you. 
in manipulative ways. And eventually when you lose the naiveness, because in a world of competition, if, if, you, if you're not sharp and you're too naive, uh, you will be eaten alive in the world of business. And it happens all the time uh, in the world of business. So if you think it's about, let me take the ideas from other people and take the credit for it, guess what book you need to read? You need to read Barbarians to Bureaucrats by Lawrence Miller. I spoke to Lawrence Miller, brilliant man, consultant, and he wrote this book. In the book, he talks about different phases that every society, organization, company goes through. There's always an original prophet as the founder, right? After the prophet is a barbarian, people that are willing to go run through the wall and you know take over territories, and sometimes the prophet is the barbarian. Uh, and then you have the builders, then you have the explorers, then you have the administrators, then you have the bureaucrats, then you have the aristocrats, and then you have the synergist that brings the whole thing together. See, sometimes if you're going out there and you're losing things with your guys because you're not giving them the credit, you're taking all the credit and you're so far at the top and you no longer are connected, you don't even talk to your people, they got to go through 50 different people before, before they get a hold of you, maybe you're becoming a bureaucrat and an aristocrat. If your handicap is par, you're probably a bureaucrat because <laughs> you're playing too much time, spending too much time golfing uh, and you're not in the trenches with them. You go out there and you want to find out if someone is in the trenches with them, see how bad their golf game is. You'll generally be able to tell uh, if someone's still in the game how bad their golf game is. I could care less about my game impressing you. I want to care about you seeing me growing the organization and leading the troops. That's what I care about. That's what my, that's what a CEO, that's what a leader, that's what a sales organization leader needs to care about uh, the most. Now, next one. Uh, I'm a big fan of giving equity. Give people to earn the opportunity to own a piece of the company. For many years, companies have taken the philosophy of, you know, I'll give them a pension plan. You, you give pension and they give you 30 years, do you really get the best out of them or do you get the mediocre part of them for 30 years? See, I want you, I want the best of you. And uh, we're all pretty good babysitters. At some point, everybody has babysat somebody, but you know who we take care of the most? Our own baby. Do you know what happens when your leaders have a shot at owning a piece of the company? It's their baby now, it's not just about you. So imagine if a pool of people own a company together, own a business together, that, it's powerful when people are going out there and building a company like that. Next point, have examples of successful leaders that you personally have developed. They asked John Wooden, John, uh, for how long did you struggle coaching your freshmen that came out of high school? And these kids that came out of high school, everybody was all American in their high school, they were the best ones. So they would go from being the guy that everybody in high school talks to, now you got 12 of them that have all the same mindset. How did you get that guy to come and play for you for him to be coachable to you? Did it happen where eventually they won one championship and they started listening to you? He said, no, it wasn't one championship because anybody can get lucky and win one. But the moment I won two, people started buying into my philosophy. That's what happened. In business, you got to have proof of development leaders to earn long-term loyalty of people. Not once, but it's got to be two or more times of you having success developing leaders to earn their respect. And the last point I'll tell you is this. Don't act perfect. I want to know your flaws. I want to know your issues. And the last book, because of that, is Hypomanic Edge. You know what Hypomanic Edge talks about? It talks about how many people are the link between craziness and success in America, is what this book says. Hypomanic Edge talks about how crazy people are. And um, it talks about how different people are. And I like knowing that. I like knowing that people are not normal. People have flaws. Anybody who is too perfect, no one wants to work with a perfect person because you constantly remind them of their imperfections. And so those are the 17 points on how to create loyalty with your organization. 
Don't be somebody that is too late and you lose somebody. Start creating the environment of the 17 points to create loyalty. Thanks everybody for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Valuetainment on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five star, write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bidavid. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.